It was a wonderful experience yesterday, just being good to people. Um, God is a lover of people. He said that in Titus, that he loves people. Isn't that interesting? We were just talking in our home Bible study. I love God. I just can't stand Christians. Have you met people like that? I love God. I just can't stand people. And uh, if you hang out with God very much, you'll start loving people. Because uh, how could you hang out with a God that so loved the world that he gave his son? He so loved the objects of his hate and the objects of his wrath that he sacrificed himself. Is that biblically true? Yes. It's John 3.16. I'm going to do another message next week on the subject of God, which is quite big. Uh, and then we're going to go to the book of 2 Corinthians. I've been wanting to go to that book. Never preached it, but it's a powerful. The only books in the Bible that are boring are the ones you haven't studied. And so uh, we're going to look at that. But today we're going to look at 1 Peter 2.9. And I simply want to deal with the subject uh, of God, worthy of our glory and our adoration. Worthy of adoration might help doing that. And uh, so let's look at 1 Peter. I'm going to do a brief and a quick overview of who God is and just you won't have time to go into it. Uh, I encourage you again to read Packer's book on knowing God. We sold out, but if you'll tell Michael at the bookstore, he'll order more for you. Uh, if you want some other uh, works on knowing God, uh, Stephen Sharnock uh, wrote a, a classic that's out there, The Attributes of God. Uh, if you don't uh, have a systematic theology, MacArthur just came out with one. It's great. Augustus Strong, Lewis Chafe. There's so many uh, systematic and theology books. There's tons and tons to be said about God's attributes, his character, uh, his knowability. Uh, uh, I dare not try to cover it all in the pulpit. Uh, we'd be here. I studied the subject of God for four hours a week every day for 18 weeks in seminary. And I asked, uh, where have I been all my life? Do you know a God that you can't explain to anybody about who he is? You can't explain who he is. You can't explain what he is. You can't explain what he does. How could you uh, be telling out his glory when you don't even know what it is? That's why I think we're more ignorant about the subject of God, probably, than any other subject in the Bible. What do you know about God? Don't tell me what's wrong with the church. Uh, we know there's something wrong with it. We let you come. <laughs> I mean, we're all flawed people, right? That was weak, but we are all flawed. We are. And so I'll, I'll meet some people sometimes. They think they've really grown in the faith because they see what's wrong with Christians. Well, I didn't know Christians were what built the church. I thought Christ was building the church. I thought Christ saved. I thought he was glorious. But if you don't know that, listen to what 1 Peter says, chapter 2. We begin at verse 6. For it stands in Scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, 
and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The folly of the experts, they didn't know the cornerstone when he showed up. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race. This comes right out of Exodus 19, what he promised Israel, that Israel forfeited through idolatry. Now he makes the promise to a new people, the church, Jew and Gentile, this new community of people, I'm going to give you the same kind of commission, as it were, that I gave Israel to give to the nations, and they threw it away. Now I'm repeating it, and I'm giving it to you believers. Listen, but you are a chosen race. Some people don't like the doctrine of election. Too bad. God loves it. You're chosen. Are you chosen? I, there's two of you. Good. Okay. Uh, maybe that's what's wrong with this church. Nobody chosen here. They, they're chosen. They're not accidental. A royal priesthood. That means a priesthood that works for a king. And priesthood means access. I get access. I, I get to have uh, intimacy. And he said, I'm in a kingly priesthood, a kingly uh, sometimes the word royal, a royal household of priests. I'm in a special nation, and it's not uh, United States, and it's not Britain, and it's not Iran, and it's not Israel. The new nation is the people of God under King Jesus. That's the new nation. By the way, it's not Democrat or Republican. God forbid. A people for his own possession a people that have been purchased. You get a possession when you purchase. You've been purchased. In order that you may gripe, in order that you may murmur, in order that you tell me everything about the giants, that you, it's a purpose clause. Your purpose, I made you this, on purpose, and here's the purpose. Proclaim what's excellent about God. What is excellent? Notice that. Proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, let me just rehearse, just bird's eye view. I, I didn't... We're going to print the notes. And he said, no, I've given you plenty of notes. If you want them, you've got to follow me. We talk about when we study God, his essence, his attributes, his nature. What is he composed of? Uh, and what can he do that's different than any other being? What's the nature of God? So if you take uh, any of the Timothy classes or wow, uh, we, get, we deal with this more. Uh, if you read theology, you can find out these things. If someone asks you to say, who is God? Here's it real easy. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. Is that simple? 
He is the sustainer. Now, you didn't know the answer before I told you. Don't, don't act like you did. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. That sets him apart from every other being. Everything else had a beginning. But he is the creator of everything that exists, gravity, galaxies, everything. He is the creator and sustainer of all that exists. That, that, he's in a league all to himself. Then we deal with the question, what is God? He's infinite. He's personal. He, he's not a spook. He's not some fog. He's not a force. He's a person. He's a person that is amazing. He's a one person or one spirit that's shared by three distinct persons, which is amazing. This is a teaching of the Trinity that unless you study and are illumined, that is just, wow, how can he be three and one at the same time? We call it compound unity. He's a compound unity, one for three. Uh, let's keep going. He's self-existent. Uh, nobody created him. Nobody outside of him made him exist. He exists in the power of his own being. Christ said, I have life in myself. I didn't get it from anybody. Uh, he's eternal and unchangeable in his attributes. So when we talk about God's spirit, he's a spirit being. That is no flesh and blood, uh, but his spirit, are spirit beings real? Do you have to see something for it to exist? Yeah. When you got angelic beings all over, fallen beings and good angels, uh, we don't know how many's in this room, but according to Ephesians 3, angels attend church, and they observe what God's doing in the church. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, it's amazing. They observe that God could put Jew and Gentile together around one theme, the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, there's good spirit beings, and I'm afraid there could be some bad ones because the devil goes to church too. The fall didn't happen in a brothel. It happened in the third heaven. Started there, then it happened in paradise. What a place. It wasn't in a ghetto, sin began. It began in paradise. Is that not amazing? We always thought it was on the south side. It was in the heaven high. In the heavens, the rebellion began. Well, uh, God is self-existent. Uh, he is immense. He's pure spirit. He's not flesh and bone. Uh, he's immutable, unchangeable in his character and his nature. He can change his actions, but he never changes what he is. See, God can repent of something. Ah, not interesting. Genesis 6, he repented that he made man, but he never changes what he is. He's immutable. Uh, he's sovereign. What does it mean when we say God's sovereign? We're saying this, and the Bible thinks says this, he has the power to do anything he chooses to do. God is sovereign. God chooses storms, wind, lightning, thunder, when you're going to be born, when you're going to die, everything. God has sovereignly determined. The only thing God expects you to do is his revealed will, but you don't know his secret will. You don't know when you're going to die. You know a lot of things, but we know what he's revealed, and that's why the Word of God is so important. 
know what God revealed. And he said, we know that. And he's eternal. He's infinite. He's intelligent. Is that an understatement? I know everything. God has never gone to school. And yet he knows everything there is to know. He knows everything. I mean, he said, I know things, how they're going to end before they ever begin. God knows. Does he know everything about you? While he was in your mother's womb and he was in there kind of orchestrating what you would look like. You know, something that's really pitiful, your looks weren't dependent on you. And I've seen some homely folks have some beautiful children. It's a miracle. You know. And so I don't want to say anything about your folks. I don't know your folks. But they did the best they could. Uh, omnipotence. He's got all power. He, God is not failing to do anything because he ran out of power. No running out of power. Uh, we know we looked for four weeks about his love. We looked at his holiness out of which his wrath was displayed in judgment. He's a holy God, and that means two things. One thing, holy, is set apart so he's in a league all of his own. There's no one else in that category. And then two, anything morally or ethically evil, uh, he, he is set apart from it. He's not a crooked God. You don't make a deal with God under the table. He's not an under-the-table God. He, he's above. He has nothing to do with anything that's evil. It was kind of interesting, uh, idol worship, they would often approach an altar and they'd climb up the altar. God said, I don't want any raised platforms for my people. You know why? They would often show off their body. The heathens did this. They would go nude. They would show off themselves. God said, I'm not a dirty God. Don't, ra- don't build me any raised platforms. Uh-uh. Make your sacrifice on ground level. Right there. I'm not a dirty God. Well, he's righteous. He's good. We can stay here all day. Uh, let's talk about what has God done. I just select. Uh, you're a, you've got a story about what he's done. But let's take some things. Let's some basic things. If you were going to describe God and say, well, my God is excellent. He, he's superlative. He's in a legal. Uh, let's start with um, in the beginning. God created everything we know now. God is the creator of everything that exists. I mean, sea life, plant life, human life, stars, galaxies, Milky Way, gravity, matter, time. If it exists, if it came into existence, God created it. And then he says in Colossians that God the Son sustains it. He holds everything together by the word of his power. Uh, What keeps the binding force they talk about in creation, that there's binding forces. They learn to split the atom. But there was something that bound things together. Guess what that binding force is? It's God. He holds things together or the universe could just explode. 
And that's probably what will happen in 2 Peter 3.10 when God makes the universe pass away with fervent heat. All it has to do is say the word, say, release your hold on all atoms and let them blow up themselves. Let a thousand hydrogen bombs go off. Everything that holds together, planets stay where they ought to. The sun doesn't get too close to the earth. The tides only go so far. Who maintains all this? Darwin? Dead men don't control the tide. They don't control the sun nor the moon. Our God is the creator. And you see, in the Bible, they had no problem with atheism. It was a problem of polytheism and idolatry. And they all had a creation myth. And many will say Genesis is just another Jewish creation myth. It is a creation truth. God is creator. Talk about that. It's one of his excellent, excellent virtues. Have you ever made anything that you're willing to show off? I sure haven't. My dad said, you're as mechanical as a mud dauber, and that wasn't a compliment. Israel, if they wanted to talk to you about God, they would always, through the Psalms and the prophets, the exodus, the exodus. And it would go this way. We were the descendants of Abram. God said that we would go into captivity until God let the sins of the Amorites fill up Canaan. And when God had enough, he was going to bring Israel in to occupy the land. But we were down there working as slaves for Pharaoh. Joseph brought 70 of us down, Jacob's household. But they turned us into slaves brick makers, pyramid builders, and we've been mistreated. We've been abused, but we're not a warring people. We're shepherds. We don't know how to, we don't even have instruments of war. We don't have strategy of war. We have no generals. We're just a bunch of mud daubers, as it were, making bricks. And God said two things. I'm going to deliver your sons by the blood of a lamb. Stupid. Nothing in all of e Egyptian history would say that you can kill a lamb and save a son. God said, I'm going to save your sons if you put the blood on the doorpost. So Exodus 12, God passes over every place he sees blood. Two, I'm going to deliver you by my power. I'm going to split the Red Sea open. I'm going to take Pharaoh, I'm going to stop him in Exodus 15. I'm going to put a cloud between you and Pharaoh's armies, and you're going to cross. I'm going to be your rear guard. I'm going to protect you, and then I'm going to destroy Pharaoh, his chariots, and you will be set free. And then I'm going to feed you 40 years while you murmur and complain that you don't like Moses, you don't like Aaron, and you don't like manna. I will set you free. I will get you to the land. Remarkable. Mark their history forever. And even a secular Jew still wants to take Passover, still wants to remember blood, blood, and the power of the God of Abraham got us out of slavery. And African Americans in the South, they claim the Moses, Egypt, so they used to call Abraham Lincoln. They used to call him, uh, you know, the one, the Moses that got them out of slavery. 
because they relate it to that being set free. What else has God done? Well, uh, he did something like said, I'll redeem you, and I can't do it with silver and gold, but I'll sacrifice my son to be the blood on the doorpost, and it's sufficient enough to save the entire race, but it will be applied only to those who believe. And so we had a redeemer that came. Then uh, something like this that's unique about our God it's called he resurrects people. The resurrection. You see, you can prove Christianity to be a farce and trap it and trash it if you could only produce the body of Christ. Because Christianity would not exist if he simply died. Uh, a man getting crucified by Rome doesn't save anybody unless he can prove who he is by the power of the resurrection. And so we understand, God said, I will physically, bodily raise my son three days after he is crucified as living proof that he is God and that I can save. And so he raised Christ from the dead, and it is the mark of Christianity. Buddha hasn't pulled that off. Muhammad, he said he, Muslim said he went to heaven, but no, he didn't. Rome could have ended Christianity had they just produced the body. The Jewish court could have ended, get rid of this myth, produce the body. Folks, we are founded, we are following a resurrected living Christ. According to Paul or, or John 90 AD, Christ was seen on the Isle of Patmos, and when he saw him, his eyes were ablaze, his hair was like wool, and when he spoke, you thought you heard a thousand rivers gushing at one time. His voice was like the voice of many waters. He wasn't a decrepit old Savior that needed to be held up. No, he's powerful. He's alive. He doesn't age. You do, but he doesn't. He doesn't age. Well, the, I mean, forgive me for the scant little diving into a little bit. We've been on this subject a few weeks. Take a theology class. Study God. Don't study everything else. Study God. What do you know about God? Why? What does First Peter say he saved you for? I saved you for the purpose that you would be telling what's excellent about me. Now, let me tell you a little bit with that word excellent. Some translations, his virtues, his excellencies. Some uh, translate his praises. What, what's praiseworthy about God? What's, uh, listen to this word. It was used of someone who had special achievement. Uh, they were an excellent athlete, an excellent musician. Anything, they excel. They excel. Where does God excel? Has he excelled at anything? Okay. Uh, it was used many times, they would use this word in the Old Testament, in, in like Greek translations, they would translate it reputation or fame. What's famous about God? What's famous? What, what's unique about God? And uh, isn't it interesting how many of you cannot say very many things about how famous he is? 
how he got his reputation. Uh, what is great about our God? Is there anything great? Maybe there's not. Maybe you need another God. Maybe you need to cash in the God you don't know or don't like. That's what Israel did. He said, we like the Gentile gods. They just have been, they can't walk, they can't talk, they can't smell, they can't see, they can't say, but we want to make them anyway. You want another God? Help yourself. The majority of the world's got another God. About six billion people on this planet have another God besides the one we worship. Right? Young people, you go to school, some philosopher that's uh, dealing with depression, that's uh, getting his fifth divorce and maybe kill himself, is going to talk you out of who God is. If I were you, I wouldn't uh, follow him. I wouldn't trust him. I'd base my hope on what God has said. So let's, let's look at a few things. Uh, what does it mean to share his excellence? Well, two words we'll use here. Uh, let's, we give glory to God. What does it mean to give gl glory to God? Uh, let's take, uh, let's say, take four of you. Tell me what glory means. Thank you. What was that? Excellence on display. That's excellent. That is. That's good. Okay. Now that's going to be a hard one to beat. Um, let me read to you what a, a Greek dictionary said. The word is doxa. We sing the doxology. We don't. But if we were good Presbyterians, we would. We sing it ever, you know. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Wonderful. Listen to what it means, doxa. Here's the word. Uh, this is uh, Thayer's dictionary, Greek dictionary. Here it goes. It primarily signifies an opinion, estimate, an honor resulting from a good opinion. It's used of the nature and acts of God in self-manifestation. So it means give a good opinion about what God is, what God does. And so what kind of opinion are you giving out of God? When you give the right opinion of God, that gives him glory. You're giving him recognition, honor, uh, fame. And so we say, give God glory. Give a good opinion of God. Now, how can you do that? Look, First uh, Corinthians, just a few places to show you how you can do this. First Corinthians 6. Look at verse uh, 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And, and temple means a place where God hangs out. Don't you know that God hangs out in your body by the Holy Spirit that's within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Hmm. God must not be an American. Everybody acts like they own themselves. God said, you don't belong to yourself. If you're my child, I, you're my property. I, I own you. Can anybody say amen to that? Does God own you? Uh, for you were bought with a price, 
So you may do your own thing. I can't hear you. So you can do what? Glorify God means giving God a good opinion, saying something good about your God, putting God out there, telling people what your God has done, what your God, how he can save, how he's big, how he's powerful, how he's mighty, how he's got everything under control. Why don't you tell him you got a big God? What do you talk about when you talk to people? He said, you were saved for this. Then notice chapter 10. This is amazing. As much as some of you folks eat, you need to no- memorize this verse. Look at 1031. So whether you eat or drink, and some of you do that about five times a day. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the giving a good opinion to the glory of God. I went to school with a boy uh, at the Pacific University. I went to the seminary there, and his father owned the Big Bob's hamburger chain in the San Joaquin Valley. And one day we're walking across campus, and uh, I got a drink. We're going to a class, and all of a sudden this young man, he went up, and when he got to the drinking fountain, he bowed his head, and he started praying. And, wow, I thought, man, we got a fanatic on our hands. And, you know, I give thanks if there's a hamburger, but no, not a drink of water. And so when he got through, we're walking to class. I said, you're the first guy I ever seen give thanks for a drink of water. He said, well, if you were as strung out on drugs as me and you didn't know the difference between Uh, arsenic and water, you'd give thanks. He said, I've been out of my head for years, and God finally saved me. I finally got clean. I finally got sober. I know what I'm drinking. I know what I'm taking. He said, I am thankful for every glass of water, every drop of food, every drop of water. He said, I'm thankful. Is that okay, mister? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I notice the longer you're saved, you get into these short prayers. You're not really giving glory. You're just trying to get it over with before the film forms on the gravy. And you say, God, we thank you. Amen. You think God got glory out of that. You know, good bread, good meat, goodness, let's eat. You think that means anything in heaven. He said, whether you eat or drink, you can do it in such a way you give glory to God, do you? Just asking, do you? This is too convicting. Let's keep going. Uh, praise God. What does it mean to praise God? Uh, let's look. Turn to Psalm. Let me just show you a few verses. Psalm. Uh, th- take Psalm 29, uh, verse 1. Listen to what it says. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory, good opinion, right opinion, and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. You don't make him glorious. He is inherently that. But acknowledge it. Ascribe to it. Acknowledge. 
Acknowledge you belong to a great God, not a poor, uh, anemic, impotent old man. You belong to a glorious God. It's we who act so wimpy. He's glorious. He's more ascribed to him what he is. But when we're all about ourselves, that's all we talk about. You can always tell who does not hang out with God. They're full of themselves. But he goes on, look at chapter, oh, 96. It, it basically, let me begin verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. The Lord is great. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. This was a temple song. That was to be sung when Israel gathered for worship. Did we sing anything today that said God's worthy of glory and that God's glory is? The lion and the lamb sure did. And others, we're going to sing today. Brace yourself. This is going to be a cultural shock for you. I don't think it's on K-Love. We're going to sing how great thou art at the end of this message because he is great. Because he is great. Listen to Psalms 150. Oh, my, this, this is a radical psalm. I don't know how it got in the Bible. Conservatives sure didn't get it in. Praise the Lord. Now, when you say praise the Lord, you haven't praised him yet. That's a command. Praise the Lord. He's, he's telling you to do it. You haven't done it when you say praise the Lord. Don't we do that? Oh, praise the Lord. Uh, for what? What? It's a command. Praise the Lord. Uh, 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 praise the Lord. No, you, you just said hallelujah, praise the Lord. You didn't do it. Watch, watch. He's going to tell you how. Praise God in his sanctuary. Let me ask you this. Just meddling with us Christians. Have you, have you praised God at all in this meeting today? Good. That's what we're supposed to do, right? Is it right? Talk back to me. I'm doing all the talking. You can talk back. When I'm in the pulpit, you can talk back because I'll talk back to you. This is called antiphonal preaching, back and forth. So I don't want to just ask rhetorical. Let me know. Listen to this. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Well, I don't know if that's spirit, beings, when I get to heaven, I'll praise him, but whoever's up there, praise him. Praise him for what? Uh, uh, for his what? Oh, he hasn't done anything. He hasn't. I thought he created. 
I thought he redeemed. I thought he keeps. I thought he saved you. I thought we're forgiven. I thought he showed us grace. I thought he was omnipotent. I thought he was powerful. I thought he was great. Praise him for what he's done. Don't make it up. We're not making him up. He says there, praise him for his mighty deeds. You pull off an exodus. You pull off a resurrection. Why don't you create a universe? Just do it on the side. No, no. No one has done this. He's in a league all of his own. He, um, don't start comparing him to some athlete. My lands, one stroke and they're over. It's like that health expert died with a, you know, a brand muffin in his hand, died young, but he went out healthy. No, no, God is in charge of everything. Watch. Pray, praise him according to his excellent greatness. There it is. Is he great? I don't know. I don't know. He says he is. I don't know what's great about God. No wonder you can't give him away. You don't know the product. You don't know what he can do. Is this convicting? Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. We had, we had a, a brother on the horn today. Was that biblical? With lute and harp, the closest we've come to that is the piano. It's kind of hard to carry a piano in those days, so they, they had guitars, you know. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Oh, boy, none of you ever seen that, have you? Anybody ever been in church where they have a tambourine? Anybody get in church where they can dance? Mm. Don't you try. Some of you don't have any moves. Don't. Don't. It'd be obnoxious. Let's see. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Anybody? Would that be worship? Some of you say, that's too loud. That bothers my nerves. Well, you wouldn't go to the temple. And I think their choir, you think we got too much emphasis on music? Let's see the choir of Israel. Man, it was thousands of singers. David saw they had thousands of singers. You say, oh, I just can't stand. I can't stand volume. We're not, we're not running the morgue here. We're, we're running a worship center. You can praise him. You can get excited about God. God's not afraid of volume. Now, we don't want to blow out teardrums, and uh, you, you, there's enough complaints we know when it's too loud. But we're usually too quiet. We're loud about the wrong stuff. Yay, the warriors won. So what? Man, when you pay a guy 300 million bucks, he better win. <laughs> Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What is there about him to praise? His excellence, his, who he is, what he does, his track record. And some of you, oh, you're too quiet. You're too quiet. You're too quiet. See, what fills your heart will fill your mouth. And when you get full of knowing about him, you don't talk any more than you do about him because you don't know any more about him. You don't know any more about God than you know about his word. This is the accurate, true revelation of what he is. What do you know about this book? Not Fox News. 
not some novel, here, here. And not what Sister Smith prophesied. What has he said? Well, we ought to praise him. We ought to give him glory. Why don't men do it? Why don't they do it? Let me just conclude. Every message for me includes Romans. So Romans, listen to what he says. 119. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. This is the whole human race. For his invisible attributes, you can't see his omnipotence, omniscience, all that, namely his eternal power and divine nature, they've been, see, been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, God says, in what I've made, all the way back to Adam, all the way back to Noah, all the way from the beginning, I've manifested by creation my masterpiece, my artwork. When you see the person's artwork, you know what they're capable of doing. And God said, I put on display my power. I, I, I manifested my nature in that I created an octopus, an elephant, uh, a hippopotamus, a human being, a fly, a spider, uh, molecules, microscopic world. Everything I, I've displayed, my intelligence, my brilliance, and all the variety that I did this. I made all the animals. I let you name them, Adam, but I made them. And I put on display what I am ever since I created. So the human race is without excuse. For although they knew God, the whole human race knew God twice in history, Adam and Eve and Noah. And every time they went away, they went away. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for in images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. We choose idolatry over the true and living God. We're going to kick him out of his universe and we're going to say, these objects we've created, they are our gods. They made us. They empower us. They give us crops. They give us children. They bring the rain. They withhold rain. We will trust something we carved. And Isaiah said, with half the log, they build a fire to warm themselves. And the other, they bow down and worship. Insanity, absolutely. And the whole human race followed it. Are you an idolater? Do you have another God you brag on? You see, it's in the nature of praise. When you praise something, you can't keep quiet about it. Can't keep quiet about it. I don't care if you met a new girlfriend and you think she's the greatest. I just got my wife last night we're going through family pictures. I'm telling you, we've got them in boxes. And I've been bugging her for a year. I want your high school picture in a frame. 
you were a knockout. I love your high school grad picture. I want it framed. I'm putting it in my office. I'm having a bureau. All I want in my office is pictures of you and me and to say that we're not on an ego trip. All we look at is she finally gave them to me. I can't wait to show them to you. She was a knockout steal. And I'm still married to her. What a, what a thrill. What a thrill. So you see, I can't keep praising a fine woman, a fine. The Bible says you can get an inheritance from your father, but only God can give you a good wife. So God smiled on me. Am I bragging? I'm bragging on what God can give you. And she's not here, so I can say it. <laughs> because you can't keep from praising. I, I've got a reputation. All my friends know this. If they're with me very long, if they come to my house, I guarantee you, if they're at my house at least an hour, I will have played them at least one or two songs. Huh? They've been there. They know. Because I'm saying, man, you've got to hear this. You've got to hear this. I, I call my brother Paul and say, come over. Man, i got a picker that is going crazy on that guitar. Listen to the sax player. Listen to Kenny G. Listen to Mark O'Connor, the Nashville Cats. Listen to this guy play that fiddle. Listen to this player. Listen to Eric. Man, he's good on some song. Not cocaine, but on the others. <laughs> I love it. I love what they can do. And you can't be quiet about what you prize. You praise what you prize. And until you start prizing God, you will never praise him. You go through religious motions, but you're not giving him praise. You praise him and say, you're my treasure. You're my provider. Everything I've got that's good in life, you gave me. I'm going to close before we sing. Years ago, I shared this story, and I feel this is a place to share it again. I was with E.V. Hill at a pastor's conference, and he tells the story that when he's pastoring in Watts, uh, he was there, and he had a guest speaker come in, either for that Sunday or for a series of meetings, and E.V., uh, got the speaker aside. He said, I, I need to tell you something. I need to warn you. We got a woman in our church that can be an irritant to you. She can bug you. And he said, what she does, she usually sits about three rows back, and she would just blurt out during the sermon, bring him up, bring him up, bring him up. So he said, I'm just telling you, don't let her get to you. I, I live with it all the time. And the guy said, well, what in the world does he mean? He said, he said, well, if you go too long and you haven't mentioned Jesus, she's going to say, bring him up. <laughs> bring him up. Bring him up. And you know what? If you could talk, uh, I, I was just told recently about a couple in this church that I don't even know if the man knows the Lord. I, I'm not sure. 
but I had a concerned person said, you know, they're hanging out with a family in the church that's telling them what's wrong with the church. They're always ragging on the church. If someone hung out with you, would they get down on the church or would they get sold on God? See, Valley Bible hadn't saved any of you. They did save me. I was saved a long time before this place. And I'm going to be saved after this place. I'm going to heaven. When we get to heaven, there won't be a BBC corner. Everybody that's there will be clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and we won't discuss for eternity each other's faults. Do you hear me? It's a sin to murmur about what God's doing in other people's lives. They may not be where you are, but brother, we remember when you were where they were. And he's replaced in our mouths the subject matter that when you're right with God, your mind and your mouth and your morals all line up with God. You start thinking his thoughts, you start talking his praises, and you start walking in his light. It all happens. He says, don't, don't tell people what's wrong with the church you go to because there's something wrong with I had a man take me out one time to tell me everything he knew wrong with Valley. I said, would you mind if I could tell you what's wrong with your wife? He said, you better not. It's none of your business. I said, it's none of your business about this church. See, I love it. I've been with it for years, and I think I'll stay with it after you're gone and go away with your beef because we're just people. And we're in process, and we need to forbear, forgive. If we don't learn to forgive and forbear and show love, keep loving, keep, but you don't know how, how they've disappointed me. Well, you, that means you've been alive for a while. If you haven't been, you will be. It's the human condition. Have some kids. You know, they'll never disappoint you. Get married. She will be perfect. And I just lied. Don't trade her. But she won't be perfect. Let me tell you, the one that's perfect is the one we're going to sing about. Let's sing how great thou art. Let's stand.